Hey, Immortal X friends, welcome back. I wanted to start this episode by doing what every great host does and apologizing up front for some of the audio you're about to hear. Uh, Riley and I have not been able to get together these past few weeks, and so we try to record alone, and uh, you'll hear it. Stick around. We have some good talking points, but the audio is not the best, so we apologize, and we are working on revenuing that as soon as possible. What's up, Immortal X friends? It's Cody. Uh, we have an interesting episode for you this week. Riley and I have not been able to get together for a while, hence the uh, the shocking lack of new content, despite there being a lot of fun announcements, TV shows, all of that. But today, Riley and I wanted to come to you with kind of a dual-part podcast. Later on in this episode, you will hear from Riley, who recorded a standalone episode from himself reviewing uh, Duggan's new X-Men 15, I think. I think it's 15. Sorry, Riley, if I got that wrong. And I'm going to talk about what's been up in Judgment Day, the big event that we were really excited about that this year's Hellfire Gala kicked off with art by Valera Shitty and done by our main man, Kieran Gillen. Uh, so we're really excited about Judgment Day. Um, I have been exceptionally loving this book. Uh, it's honestly been one of my favorite Marvel crossover events, especially over the past several years, liking it a lot more than Empire, liking it a lot more than King in Black. And really, it's, it's, bringing, it's bringing some energy. It's bringing some game-changing events. Uh, I think most similar is how I felt when Ten of Swords was coming out. Uh, and there's a lot of excitement. There's dealing with a lot of themes about gods, about religion, about being hated and feared, and about just kind of the goodness or lack thereof of humanity as a whole. Uh, the art by Shidi is wonderful, as always, and Gillen is really tackling uh, some fun themes uh, that's really getting kind of at the heart of some of the staple Avengers. Uh, really, it is, it is a shame that the Eternals movie is, is what it was based on the interpretation of what Gillen is, is running with. Uh, these, these Eternals are just so, so much more fascinating, uh, with these interpretations than their movie counterparts. And it's, it's a shame that I feel like we're not going to ever get to see these, these representations on, on screen. Uh, the X-Men, it's really weird. The X-Men are almost in every panel, but not who you would think. I feel like we're seeing a lot of the main X team led by Jean Grey and Cyclops, um, doing work, uh, but there's just a lot of machinations. Uh, Destiny is taking pretty center stage, Sinister is taking pretty center stage, and that has kind of been the focus. Uh, it's really fun seeing this as kind of a climactic season finale between uh, Gillen's work on Eternals and uh, Immortal X-Men. So it's, it's very interesting seeing this cross into one another and just playing with the similar ideas in each. So overall, really big fan of Judgment Day, really big fan of what's been going on. There's been an interesting element of kind of this post-2020 uh, conspiracy theory, hyper-judgmental, I don't want to say cancel culture on this, but just a lot of judgment going into an event called Judgment Day from all sorts of people expressing their opinion, expressing their distrust, their hate uh, towards our heroes while a giant man-created God manifestation governs over them and is passing like a pretty tremendous judgment on all of mankind. 
Uh, some of my favorite parts, and I know uh, speaking with Riley, he can agree, are some of the panels showing the various characters uh, being judged. Uh, the celestial that has been created uh, to oversee this judgment is taking on different forms to some people, just appearing as himself to others. And it's been, it's been cool to see who passes judgment, who does not, and, and what that might mean for the future. Uh, he's not pulling any punches. Sorry, they are not pulling any punches. Uh, with this event, it definitely feels like each issue is important and is adding to it. And I really can't wait to see when it ends this upcoming month, or I guess now in October. So that is my, uh, that is my quick capsule review on uh, Judgment Day, on what it's been like going through. Issue 5 just dropped uh, this past week, and we're continuing on. Uh, there's a big spoiler that I'm about to say, uh, so jump ahead like a minute if you don't want to, but this might also be the death of Magneto. Uh, in X-Men Red recently, he has been brutalized, and Uranus, Thanos' grandpa, ripped out his heart, and Magneto has been keeping himself alive in one of the most badass ways possible by pumping the iron through his body and regulating it without a heart. Uh, but it has, been, it has been very fascinating to see the end of this this character who has meant so much during this Krakoan age and is getting to go down protecting his people for a generation um, that doesn't have to be warriors. So a lot of cool themes, and that's uh, a lot of what the work that Ewing is doing in X-Men Red, uh, which I know we have just gushed about multiple times on this podcast. So I hope you keep reading common, comics. We will be back really soon. Wow. Um, it, is, it has been a while. Uh, I know Riley has mentioned it before, but Riley is a new dad. Uh, and I am going into production on a movie, actually. So I am I am directing my my first feature. So that is that is where I have been. Uh, so we're we're gonna try and get you uh, some kind of bonus episodes that we can do here and there, just to keep the uh, the ex friends train rolling. Uh, I know Riley and Ethan are lovable, lovable uh, Gen Z intern, and him recorded a great uh, great podcast. And uh, Leslie, my wife, and I are going to try and put some stuff out here as well. So you might see variations of the X-Friends in the coming months. Uh, but just know that we are still committed to bringing you some hopeful quality, quality nerd, nerd content and breakdown. So as always, read comics and stick around for Riley's review of X-Men 15. Bye. Welcome back to Immortal X, friends. Thanks for listening today. My name is Riley, and today I thought I would take a few minutes and offer a few initial thoughts on an issue of X-Men that I just finished reading a few moments ago. Um, the the X-Friends are experiencing a very busy season in all of our lives, and so issues um, or episodes with all of us together maybe few and far between for just a little while. Um, so we thought that an, a little episode series that might be fun and interesting to do is, um, is short issue reviews as we read things that are coming out um, and kind of offering some initial thoughts on, uh, on some of the ongoings that we are picking up each week. Um, so today, I just finished reading issue number 15 of Jerry Duggan's X-Men run. Uh, this is a run that has been working very well for me. I know that not everybody feels that way, um, but the, uh, 
the nature of this particular run being uh, that each issue is a little bit more serialized. You kind of have a villain of the week situation. Um, and the plot points don't necessarily have as much gravitas as, uh, as something like Immortal X-Men or even X-Men Red. Uh, this has been a very refreshing book for me um, and has been a, a highlight for me through the Krakoan era. Now, um, this issue specifically was one that I was very excited about. Um, as I said, X-Men issue number 15, uh, this is a story that picks up on plot points that have kind of been around for a while, but have not really been touched in quite some time. So, um, before I go any farther, I'm going to talk through a lot of the issue. If you've not read X-Men issue 15 yet, uh, you might want to hold off on listening through the rest of this episode until you've gotten a chance to check it out. Um, so, uh, a few years ago with Jonathan Hickman's X-Men run, uh, as they kind of started into the Dawn of X era of X-Men books, um, Jonathan Hickman introduced uh, a few issues with um, with some new villains that uh, we know as the Children of the Vault. Um, the uh, the Children of the Vault exist in this space where time works differently for them. Um, I, I don't re remember exactly the time ratio, but one day in the real world equals like a uh, hundred years in the vault, something like that. Um, the numbers I'm just pulling out of nowhere, but it's something like that. Um, and the, the vault is full of post-humans that ultimately believe that the world is theirs for the taking, that um, they, as the more evolved society, should be the ones that kind of have, uh, have the dominion over the earth, um, over mutantdom. And so uh, we had a couple of very fun issues in which um, the Krakoans send a few mutants in, uh, Sink, Darwin, and uh, Laura Kinney's Wolverine to go and scope out the vault, see what it's like in there, what the extent of the threat is, and so on and so forth. Um, you have a, a couple of very fun issues in which um, you realize just how dangerous the Children of the Vault really are. Um, and you have a couple of really cool plot points. Uh, you know, Darwin is stuck inside the vault. Um, Laura and Sink grow old together as they are in the vault for such a long time. Um, there is a, uh, there's a romance that exists between them. Um, which I thought was a very fun um, twist because it's not just the, the cliche romance of, you know, two people stuck in a confined space and they fall for each other, um, but more of the concept of the two of them were in the vault for so long, you know, lifetimes, hundreds of years, that uh, over time the two of them grew to love each other in ways that are, are deeper and more vast than you might expect from a typical relationship between two people. Um, so I, I found that to be a very fascinating idea that the two of them have this shared love because of just the sheer amount of time that they've spent together. Um, now, of course, things don't go according to plan as they escape the vault. 
Um, Sync is the only one that makes it out. And so Sync now exists in, uh, lives on Krakoa with all of these memories of this time that he experienced while um, Wolverine does not have the same memories anymore. So we've kind of for a while had uh, the Children of the Vault sort of lingering and looming in the background over Krakoa. Um, now, I was very excited about this issue specifically because while I have been enjoying uh, the uh, Kieran Gillen's uh, Judgment Day event that's been happening, um, you know, it, it is nice to take a, a break uh, from this for a little while as all of the ongoings that I'm currently reading are, are in taking part in Judgment Day. Um, so, uh, this issue being kind of a standalone while also bringing back some plot points that have existed for a while is just something very exciting to me. Um, not only that, but you also have, uh, a new X-Men team that, uh, is gonna have to learn how to work together. This X-Men team is not, um, as easily, uh, they don't have the same kind of synergy, you might say, than the, the first team in Duggan's first 12 issues. So um, you have some characters like Cyclops and Forge who are not exactly seeing eye to eye right now. Um, and you can take that as a Cyclops pun if you wish. Um, so it's going to be very fun to kind of move forward with Duggan's run, seeing how these characters interact, how the Children of the Vault kind of come back into the fray, uh, the level of threat that they are to Krakoa and um, exactly how Duggan can make this threat feel different than the things that are happening in Judgment Day right now. You know, it's it's very typical to have, oh, here's the next big threat, they're larger than life, how are we possibly going to defeat them, so on and so forth. Um, and this issue subverted a lot of expectations, which is very fun. Um, you have um, Forge working for uh, working on a secret project for the Quiet Council, uh, having one-on-one -on -one meetings with Charles Xavier on kind of planning some of these type of things, while also now being a uh, being on the X Men team. So now he has a bunch of different people that he serves with, you know, um, and so it's going to be very interesting moving forward to see where his allegiances lie. I think. Um, now, something that I really enjoyed about this issue is that it was a little bit more brutal than I expected. Uh, generally, while Duggan's X-Men run has been very fun and enjoyable, it has not necessarily been um, very edgy in terms of the violence and some of the things that you might see uh, in the art, especially. But uh, as the Children of the Vault come and... Um, and attack the outside world, you have a few pages where uh, where the children are attacking Krakoa and attacking uh, the Avengers and the Fantastic Four and so on and so forth. And some of the panels that we see are pretty graphic and it's, uh, it's a, a very nice twist, I thought, um, where uh, this has historically been sort of a, you might say, a kid-friendly... Uh, run. This was an issue where some of the panels were pretty intense, and I really appreciate that, especially. Um, so you've got some f fun moments with the Fantastic Four, 
with Doctor Doom, um, and you kind of see the extent of the damage that these children could do on the world should they be allowed to run amok. Um, now, something that I really enjoyed about this issue was that it totally subverted my expectation, as I mentioned. Um, Forge and Xavier hatch a plan to not fight the children of the vault because they would almost surely win, but instead to contain them in their own version of the vault, so to speak. Uh, and that's a really fun idea. I think it's, um, it's really unique in terms of making it so that it, we don't just have another gigantic threat coming our way, that sort of thing. Um, so this giant containment zone that Forge has been able to come up with, I thought was a, a very cool twist on what I thought this was going to end up being. Um, so um, as we get toward the end of this issue, you have Forge hatching a plan to go into the vault to rescue Darwin and what have you. Um, and something that I think is going to be a really fun thing to see moving forward is just how morally gray Forge is willing to go. Um, not only did he create this giant antimatter black hole gun to destroy the children of the vault, um, but he also uses mystique uh, power technology to change his form, um, which is brilliant along with the fact that he's using Krakoan technology in not only the suit that he's using, but also so that um, the only people that can enter and exit the containment zone are mutants, um, which is part of the, you know, the gate technology that they use on Krakoa. So I really enjoyed the fact that Forge kind of has all of these different uh, technological pieces in play that he's he's putting into practice all at once. Um, now, I think what's going to be exciting about further issues in this run is that, you know, Forge is heading into the vault, which is fun that we're going to continue with this story arc. Um, but also the fact that on our last page before this issue ends, we have something go on with Forge putting Caliban on his suit to achieve something. And what it kind of seems like at this moment was that he either tricked or, um, or forced Caliban or something uh, to accompany him into the vault. So we know that Forge is going to be willing to do some things that are not necessarily... Um, you know, just uh, just cut and dry, morally speaking. Uh, and when you have a leader like Cyclops, who is such a you know, play by the rules, I'm a I'm a fantastic leader kind of character. I think it's going to be fun to see their interactions moving forward, along with our other cast of characters. You know, Havoc being on the team is going to be really fun. Um, Magic and Iceman, especially after all of the Omega level stuff that we've been talking about with him. Uh, in planet-sized X-Men a little while back, along with uh, Duggan's Marauders run. Um, there's really a lot to be excited about with this run right now, and um, I highly recommend it. I know that it's not working for everybody, but uh, I really do enjoy the fact that each one of these issues feels like its own like Saturday morning cartoon sort of situation. You have a villain of the week, the X-Men team comes in, and they do what they're supposed to do. You have some fun team interactions, um, 
And so this, this line has definitely been working for me, uh, especially as I read, you know, other more lofty, chewier stories like Immortal X-Men, um, X-Men Red. Uh, so I highly recommend that you pick up some of these issues. I think they're very fun. I know Duggan's X-Men run is now being printed into trade paperbacks, and I think those are very easily available. Um, the art is beautiful. Uh, the stories have been very fun, character interactions. It, this, it, this line is fall, firing on all cylinders for me. So I hope that you, um, that you look into it, or if you've already been reading it, I hope that you've been enjoying it as much as I have. Um, and it'll be fun to chat with you uh, if you have any points that you'd like to bring up that I might not have talked about today. Um, hit us up on social media. We are trying to be more active on our Instagram page. It's at Immortal X Friends. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks for spending the time to listen to this. Uh, I hope that you're reading something fun right now. Let us know if you have any recommendations. We are trying to consume as many comics as we can right now, uh, even as we all navigate a very busy season. Um, well, with that, I think that's going to do it. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening and read comics.